0: enjoy very long time some of you have never met me before and some of you may be visiting for the very first time here at this church and I think it is important that you know me a little bit before I uh, dive into Scripture and we dive into Scripture together so let me tell you a little bit about me Um, growing up here my mama took a ton of pictures and I hated it but it's okay because those pictures are bringing fruit today um, let me show you a little bit. This is Spring Break, circa 2008-2009. We've got Phil and Diane, Phil who you just saw. Um, Mark Porter, Brock Palk. Brock Falk, the youth minister, taking a nap at Spring Break Retreat. And then uh, that kid up there in the corner is, is me. Uh, <laughs> these are people that invested in my life that have um, brought me here To where I am today. Uh, A little further on, back in 2011, this is graduation, this is me, and then Ethan, who will bring you the word next week, who is Phil's son. We, you know, we grew up together, we were together, and again, Brock, um, maybe oh so many years ago, being the youth minister and not the preacher at the time. And then there was also that one year that I didn't want to cut my hair, so that was, we wish those pictures weren't around, you know, we just hang on to those a little bit. my life has changed so ever so slightly since then, and now I have a, four kids, a lovely wife, and my wife conspired with some of my volunteers this year through me my 30th funeral, not a birthday party, but a funeral. Uh, so we had a surprise funeral, and they had my faces made on little sticks, and those are in our playroom. So my kids carry around, Daddy, it's you. I'm like, yes, I know, It's I'm on a stick. Uh, so this is... Me, This is who I am, and I think it's important that you know that before we get started. And so it is great to be home. Coming home is a fun experience. Coming home is always exciting, and uh, we have lots of things to do typically. Uh, But it is not that way for everyone. Some of you may have memories of your childhood home that you wish you could forget. Some of you may have memories of a home that you wish to leave back there in the past, and it's those kinds of memories that I think the Israelites may have had as they wandered the desert. They had memories of Egypt, they have memories of slavery, and they don't really have memories of home because the only home they ever knew was being a slave. And so after 40 years of wandering the desert, being paralyzed by the past and being paralyzed by the future, they have been stuck in this desert. And it is at this time that Joshua finds himself in leadership. So we will be looking at Joshua today, and we will be looking at how we are very much related to Joshua. But before we get into that, I want to spoil the whole story for you right here and right now. God wins. God wins in this story, God wins in your story. No matter the choices you make, no matter the steps that you take, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, God wins and he will always win, no matter what is going on, no matter what choices you make. So let's jump right in to chapter one, and we're gonna take a look at Joshua and the path that he took to get to God's victory. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, uh, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, No one will be able to stand against you all of the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them." This is the first step in Joshua's path. This is his first calling. He is called to lead. He is to gather these people, lead them to inherit the land God swore to their ancestors. He's called to lead. This is a calling that I have always desired. This is a calling that I wanted so much as a a kid, as a youth, as a young adult. Um, It took a lot of work for God to humble me and show me what it really means to lead. Um, He kicked me pretty good and said, no, 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 this is, this is not how this goes. And he, he showed me how to change and how to be a true leader. But that kid that really wanted to be a leader, that's kind of the worst kind of leader, right? The guy that wants it the most, the girl that wants it the most, the one that wants to be in control of everything, those don't tend to be the best leaders in the world. I have a very vivid memory of being in third grade. And in third grade, out on the playground, we would play a lot of tetherball. And tether ball, if you remember, uh, you've got a ball, swings around a pole, you're just trying to get it all the way around your opponent's pole. And there was this kid, and I was not a huge child, but I remember this being a huge child in comparison to me. His name was Ivan, and Ivan was about a head taller than everybody else, and he was a big boy. And Ivan would run the tether ball because the winner got to stay. So he would stay on the tether ball, and nobody liked Ivan when we were playing tetherball. It was not fun. So I committed myself. I'm gonna beat Ivan. I'm gonna fix it, right? I'm gonna take take care of all this stuff. Well, I went in, little third grade me, and I beat Ivan. I have a very vivid memory of beating Ivan because I love to win. I I really enjoyed it. And then I became Ivan. No one wanted to play tetherball with me. It was not fun because I would not let anybody else win. I was controlling, and I became the very thing that I tried to get rid of because it wasn't fun, and now it wasn't fun for anybody else. And that is not the right kind of leader, right? That's not the right kind of person to lead. Joshua is the right kind of leader. Joshua leads battle after battle. As you go through the book of Joshua, he leads, he sends, he sends in spies, he uh, battles at Jericho, he has betrayal from his own people, where he has to go through his own people and figure out who has betrayed us and who is causing problems, and then he deals with that, he takes care of that, they are bringing harm on his whole tribe. He has an outside group of people, the Gibeonites. They, they try to deceive him, and he deals with that deception. He calls on the sun and the moon to stand still, and the Lord listens. That's the kind of leader that Joshua is. He didn't ask God for something, he said, God, make, it, make the sun, make the, make the moon stand still. And it does, it happens. He is a true, true leader. And that is a huge part of Joshua's path here, as of following God to this victory. But that is not all that he is called to do. If we read a little further back in chapter one, it says, "'Be strong and very courageous. "'Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. "'Do not turn from it to the right or to the left.'" That is Joshua's second calling. His second calling is to be a follower. And that's very contradictory to be a leader and a follower at the same time, and yet they go hand in hand as Christ followers. Our job is to lead others to Christ. It's kind of built into what we do. And so it is built into Joshua as he leads the Israelites and yet follows the commands that God has given him. I think Jericho is the best example of Joshua as a follower because he receives probably the most insane instructions that I have ever read. And because they are so insane, I feel a need to read them to you now. It says, Now at the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. And the Lord came to Joshua and said, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them, sound a long blast on the trumpets. Have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua called the priests and said to them, "Take up the ark of the covenant, the Lord and ha- of the Lord, and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it." And he ordered the army advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched around ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, and then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once, and then the army returned to camp, and he spent the night there. And he did it again, and again, and again, and again, as God instructed him to do. And that is a perfect example, I think, of of Joshua's leadership, and Joshua as a follower, as he leads the Israelites through God's instructions. But I can only imagine how I would have reacted if I was in the army of Joshua to the instructions that were given to me. And as a children's minister, I think it is my very right to show you veggie Tales from the pulpit. And so the—this uh, short, a little 30-second clip here, I think is the correct reaction to the instructions that Joshua had given his army. Yeah, and the walls are just gonna fall down. Yep, those are God's directions. Well, I'm sure that would work great. If the walls were made out of jello. Ooh, then we could eat them. Let's call for Egypt. Who's coming with me? That's the response, right? Last call to Egypt, who's going with me? I'd rather be a slave than follow these crazy instructions. If you are familiar with that VeggieTales, I'm sure you know that the real life story probably had a lot less slushies than that one did, but that's the right reaction, right? You've been given these instructions, to walk around the city walls, these large brick stone walls. How many of you think you could walk around this building for seven days and it would fall down at the end of the week, right? That's, it just seems nutty. The example I used earlier today, imagine you're a car salesman, you're selling cars and your manager comes to me, you want to sell this car? Walk around this car every day for the next week and you'll sell it on Monday. That seems insane. And yet, That's the instructions. Walk around the city seven times. And Joshua follows them to a T. He does everything as he is commanded by God. He does not stray to the left or to the right. He does it exactly as as he is supposed to, to fulfill his calling as a follower of God. And to fulfill his calling as a leader, not only does he do that, but he convinces everyone, the entire Israelite army, to do the same. And lo and behold, they take Jericho without any issue. Let's read. Um, It says, When the trumpets sounded, the army shouted, and and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it. Joshua is called to follow. He's called to listen to God's command. And finally, finally, Joshua is given the calling to come home. Which is, I have come home today and have really enjoyed being here. Joshua is given the calling to come home. And so what he does is he goes, and they've been given the promised land. They have been given the promised land for 40 plus years, but they were too afraid to take it. They were too scared to move in. And so they have finally done it. They have finally taken it. If you read chapter 12 of Joshua, it is a list of kings, 31 defeated kings, because God had given them the land and Joshua followed his instructions. And so Joshua divides the land that they have taken up to among all of the tribes. He has given them their home as promised by God, as called by God to go to the promised land and take the promised land. So let's read. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. God calls him home. This is your place. Every place you set your foot, this is where you live. So now he's divided all the land. They've conquered all the kings. They're approaching the end of Joshua's life. Joshua gathers his people together and says, you must remember the Lord. You must remember these things because we are not to stray to the left or to the right, and I'm not going to be around forever. So you must Remember the Lord. And so Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord of God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshiped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led them through Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac and to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Sarah to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt." And you heard that story last week from Jeff, right? The story of being in Egypt. You heard of Joseph and all the great things he did in Egypt. Well, following Joseph is many, many years of slavery. They were still not home. They were still not in the place that they were promised. And yet we know that Joseph had faith, that he believed in what God would do for him and for his people. And so this is where Joshua comes from at the end of his book. He says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living now, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The Israelites are home. Joshua has said that my home, my house here within the home that God has called me to will serve God. And he gives, he gives the people a choice. He says, this is your choice. You can serve anything and everything that you have known before and that you have known previously, you can serve the things that you know now, or you can serve God. He gives them a choice. And we know that for a while, they do a pretty good job. This is what it says. After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land and in his inheritance at Timnath-Sarah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gesh. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua, and of the elders who outlived him, and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. And I think it's really important at this moment to say, I don't know Jeff Walling. I had never heard him speak before last week, but his topic of Joseph was so perfect for this topic of Joshua today, because last week he said that surely God will God will do what he has planned, and so he fulfills his promises, and Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the honor, in, in the tract of the land that Jacob bought for a hundred pieces of silver from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. This became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants. And that's the calling home, an inheritance, a place to be in God's arms in the place that he needs and wants you most. You might have chosen to believe in Jesus a long, long time ago. You might not know who Jesus is. You may need a lot more information on who, who this Jesus guy is. You may have just wandered into a random YouTube video this morning and saw that it was live. You may be in any particular place this morning But just like I said earlier, you have a choice, just as the Israelites had a choice. And no matter what choice you make, no matter which God you choose, our God wins at the end of the day. That's how the story ends, no matter what choices, what path we take to get there. But if you choose Jesus, if you choose the path to follow Jesus, you step into the shoes of Joshua, And when you step into those shoes, when you become a disciple of Christ, you are called to lead. You are called to follow. And you are called home. I'm so thankful to be home today and be in the place that I grew up. And I thank you for allowing me to come home today. And so I want to leave you with something from another one of my homes. I spent four years at Lubbock Christian University, five years in Lubbock, and I go back as often as I can. I was just there two weeks ago. It's very much another home for me. It's where my family started. It's where where I met my wife. It's where my first child was born. It's another place of home. And when I go back there, we typically sing the doxology. It's a song of prayer, it's a song of praise, it's a song of thanksgiving. And I think there is no better way for me to leave you today than by singing a song of thanksgiving, a prayer of praise to our God. So if you will stand with me. And let's sing. Praise God from whom all Blessings flow, praise Him, all creatures here. see yeah.